Claritas is an industry leader in providing brands, agencies, and publishers with a complete closed-loop marketing platform to help marketers identify the right potential customers more precisely, deliver more effective multi-channel campaigns across audiences' preferred channels, and optimize campaigns more accurately and efficiently through a robust attribution and incremental lift analysis measuring both online and offline channels, including podcast, digital audio, and advanced television. Claritas's offerings are strengthened by the recent acquisition of Arts AI, integrating AI-powered technology to underpin an already robust identity graph, which fuels the accuracy, effectiveness, and efficiency of all their solutions. Claritas is committed to being an independent third-party partner, providing marketers with an unbiased and objective approach for building, executing, and measuring online and offline marketing campaigns. Find out more at claritas.com. Listening to AW360, a podcast from Advertising Week. Recorded in studio and live at Advertising Week's global events, AW360 features thought leadership conversations with the best and the brightest in the advertising, marketing, and technologies industries each and every week. If you enjoy AW360, we'd appreciate it if you took the time to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and maybe even leave a positive review. Thanks for listening. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so pleased to have you on today. Yeah, happy to be on. Looking forward to the conversation. So tell us a little bit about Clarivide. What do you do and what's your role consist of as chief growth officer? Yeah, so, you know, responsible for, you know, marketing and kind of growth in general. So, um, you know, everything from product marketing to demand gen to customer marketing and events that we do in the market uh, and also spending a lot of time. Uh, we're kind of heavily invested in a lot of the big, you know, you know, SIs and folks like Adobe that we partner with from a technology perspective. So really spend a lot of my time kind of working with them, helping educate the partners, uh, ultimately to help, you know, kind of mutual customers as well. And give us the 10,000 foot view of Clarivine and what you do as a company. Sure. Yeah. So we, we talk a lot about data standards. Um, you know, the product uh, is called the data standards cloud. Uh, really, you know, data standards means a whole bunch of things. Um, we talk about things, you know, squarely for kind of marketing customer experience organizations, um, helping them proactively put standards in place across their teams and technology. And so there's still a lot of teams, you know, we, we think digital and we think, you know, everything is seamless and easy and, you know, there's an easy button, but, you know, kind of when you peel back things a little bit within some of these larger companies, uh, specifically into the enterprise and kind of the Fortune 1000, um, there's a lot of process, a lot of teams, a lot of data and things moving from, you know, project management workflow systems to the content creation, the landing pages, the experiences, uh, all the way into the operations for paid media customer acquisition. And then obviously folks at the end, the analytics teams, the measurement teams, trying to make sense of that stuff. And there's, you know, can be anywhere from five people involved at companies and smaller teams to hundreds and thousands, you know, internal, external with, with agencies. And so we really help them kind of manage their, 
their marketing taxonomy, metadata, you know, more holistically data standards of who should be using what in a centralized SaaS platform. And what are the benefits of standardized data? I mean, and, and I would say this both from the perspective of somebody in marketing and what could the potential benefits be to consumers? Yeah, so I think we, you know, in the in the world of kind of ad tech and, and digital marketing, really, there's always that, like, why am I seeing this ad? Uh, there's the brand safety element for a lot of the big brands, making sure they're serving the right message to the right consumer. Um, everybody talks a lot about, uh, you know, wanting to optimize, you know, scaling that right message to the right consumer at the right time. Operationally, internally for teams, that that's really hard. Um, there's a, oftentimes hundreds, thousands of different uh variations of the audience information, the creative, they're testing creative messaging, and then trying to understand the the impact of what's working and what's not working uh, as kind of digital, you know, I mean, even if you go back 15, 10, 15 years, even there's everyone had a website or a couple websites and it was kind of easy to understand. And now while digital's helped move things along, fragmentation has gotten even worse. I mean, TV used to be the kind of the one uh, place you could go and you could run TV ads. And now with all the, the streaming services popping up, uh, TVs become fragmented with, you know, um, based, you know, the digital being able to reach people within homes. And so as you try and operationalize that across those different teams to make sure that, you know, the right message and the right audience and, and, you know, moving towards more experimentation to get your brand message in front. There's a lot of a lot of things going on, a lot of complexity under the covers. And so there's, a, you know, an efficiency aspect to move things through um, what folks like Adobe are starting to call the content supply chain. How do you work it through the system to go from content creation all the way to, to measurement? There's still a lot of this data that gets managed in spreadsheets. There's still a lot of copying and pasting happening. And so there's a lot of, you know, potential for manual errors that exist. But really, at the end of the day, we, we talk a lot about trying to get people on a shared data language um, and being able to understand that when someone creates something, regardless of what market, what region, what business unit they're in, things are named the same upfront and proactively. So in the teams downstream, the analytics teams, the measurement teams, everyone's talking in the same language. They understand what the campaign, what it was for, what message was served, how much money was spent, all those things. And I imagine that reception to something like this has to be pretty positive. I know that, you know, if we go internally here and look at our own email databases and things like that, there's things that don't line up. I mean, you have, you know, somebody put in a full name field and then the other person might have created first name, last name fields. I mean, it's very basic form. What sorts of challenges do you have when working with partners to, you know, get this standardized data taxonomy underway and, you know, working for everybody? I think the Biggest thing that we see within, you know, customers and, and, you know, we hear from the market with prospects is the change management piece. So this is a, it's a big shift. It's a big kind of mindset shift to think about these things up front, think about the standards, um, in some cases, slow down to move faster, it, but it's hard. Um, people have been operating out of spreadsheets for quite a while and asking them to change their process while, wanting them to do more, move faster, uh, it can be hard to get that change if there's not kind of the buy-in, you know, upfront or from a from an organization perspective that everyone's aligned on making the change. Where we see that alignment and there's a big initiative to make this a the the way forward, things move, people get behind get get aligned behind it and and really buy into it because they can see the benefits. But that kind of getting over that first hurdle can can be tough because there is a lot of teams, there's a lot of people 
we'll, you know, some cases we didn't talk to customers and, you know, we'll gather the spreadsheets and we'll help them get aligned. And, you know, it's almost like they've never talked to each other that, you know, (laughs) they've, they've got these taxonomies and they're doing what they think is right. And, trying to manage this stuff, but then you put, you know, you piece them together and people are calling channels, different things. And, you know, to your point, naming things different. And, and it can be really hard for the analytics teams and the measurement teams to, you know, understand stuff. Or if you want to find something, you know, there's a lot of information, business critical information that lives in, can live in spreadsheets in some cases. Wow. Just the, the promise of fewer spreadsheets in my life would be enough to make mine <laughs> right up. I'll tell you, that's interesting stuff. Um, I've had a lot of people on the show in the past, actually probably two years, who talk a lot about data clean rooms. And I'm wondering, how are data clean rooms affected by this unstandardized data that you're working with? Yeah, so the, the clean, I mean, clean rooms are one, I'd say, tool in the toolkit for, for marketers, much like I, I spent time in my career working on some of the DMPs when DMPs were becoming kind of the thing. And it reminds me a little bit of that, of it's the new shiny object. I do think it's a great thing to be able to, in a privacy centric way, share information, share audiences, you know, do those things without having to literally share data. So I think there, you know, that's great. There are a bunch of clean rooms. There is no kind of one clean room. I mean, Amazon's got a clean room, Facebook, Google, the walled gardens, they, they all have a, you know, an aspect of a clean room. And then there's some of the independence to do sharing and even kind of snowflake getting into the data sharing and, and clean room space. And so that organization of your campaigns, your metadata, your creative, where you're targeting, you know, between an advertiser and a publisher, you know, what are their taxonomies? How do you map one taxonomy to another or understand that? It can be a daunting task if, you, if you're trying to do that in a spreadsheet. Um, and so that's where, you know, understanding those inputs, because in the clean room space, everything's, you know, basically getting aggregated to a point that you can't understand, you know, the PII or any, any of the other data. So you, you need to be or, even more organized as you venture into that clean room space to understand you're probably working with many different clean rooms and many different partners. And so, you know, for us, that opportunity is it's just another complexity that exists for, for some of the enterprise marketers that, you know, it's another need for a software like ourselves. Interesting. Let's jump over to, I guess, the the hot topic of 2023 in artificial intelligence. Do generative AI tools affect both your work with these companies and their current data processes? And if so, how? Yeah, so I think it's um, generative AI is a, like, it's crazy how much has changed in even six months. I think ChatGPT came out and because like every software vendor has AI capabilities built in. So it's an exciting time. Uh, we do see, at least on some of the enterprise companies, there's there's the promise of being able to do more and create more assets. And I think from a production, content production uh, capability perspective, it, even with Adobe uh, just releasing Firefly to, to general availability for everyone, um, to be able to create uh, new assets faster uh, is super promising. We do see some of the enterprise customers getting a little concerned as it relates to, to governance and brand safety. Uh, more assets isn't always better for some of the larger companies because they need to have an understanding of, you know, who's using what asset and what audience. And, you know, especially in the financial services and, and pharma and life sciences, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of a risk to the business. So they are, I'd say, a little slower to fully adapt some of these capabilities from a you know, more of a privacy and process perspective, mm-hmm. but it, it is promising from an operational perspective. On the flip side, if you don't put things in place 
to manage the standards, the taxonomy, more assets just puts more of a burden on the operations teams to build these campaigns because they're still having to configure all these campaigns um, and customer experiences. And then obviously on the analytics side, you're put, just pushing more data, you know, more things for them to understand. So, you know, for us, it's um, even more important to be proactive and have a, a plan in place and a strategy for, for naming and, and organizing information. But we, we have seen a lot of productivity gains in terms of content creation, as that's always, you know, typically been a big bottleneck. You know, we always hear a lot about media waste, upward of, you know, 20% is kind of the industry standard, they say. How can companies fix the industry standard of that 20% unavoidable media waste? It feels like it should be avoidable. You, <laughs> you would think so. Um, I, I, I don't know why that's okay, right? I mean, <laughs> why is everybody comfortable knowing out of the gate that it's, I think it's just, it's been around for so long that everyone's just like, yeah, it's just 20%. It's what, it's what happens. Um, we can't, we can't fix it. Uh, I don't think there's been the right incentives maybe historically to fix it or the, the, the change in the industry hasn't been there. I think, uh, you know, I think a lot about, uh, observation from a digital perspective. It's been, uh, the changes in digital have allowed us to say, we saw someone do something that means they had to do it, right? They click on an ad, they saw an ad, um, you know, some of the viewability, all that we've, we've been ingrained as an industry to think about, we saw it had to be true. Well, Apple's taking that away. Google's taking that away as well. And so it changes how you have to think about trusting what you see. And so I think what hopefully you're going to see is that that 20% isn't okay anymore because you've got to actually rethink where you're spending things because you're not going to see what's working and what's not working. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, hopefully the status quo does change. I mean, even, you know, we've talked about spreadsheets a bunch here today and it's why are spreadsheets still an okay way of sharing data across the organization and emailing around a static document? I, you know, I think maybe because people haven't been presented with a better option or there hasn't been the, the need to facilitate that that change. And, you know, I think hopefully, at least what we're seeing kind of from a marketing measurement, there's, there's a kind of a shift that's happening that, you know, Apple put forth in the mobile space with the, you know, removal of mobile, mobile IDs and IDFAs and whatnot. And then Google, when, when, and if third-party cookies finally go away, um, a lot of that is, is going to force people to, to really change and rethink how they spend their money, how they measure, you know, the effectiveness of the experiences of the campaigns they're, they're putting out in, in market. You know, one question I have, and this is kind of prompted by your mentioning of Apple and Google and kind of relates to data standards. What impact do things like walled gardens and, you know, all the various platforms that are out there and their delivery of what I imagine are probably still really varying types of information. How does that impact what you're striving for at Clarifying to standardize all of this? Yeah, it's, I think it's forcing, you know, with each of the the big platforms in the walled gardens effectively becoming clean rooms. I mean, everybody still has to go through and acquire new customers and, and put their brand in front of um, eyeballs and people are in those platforms are in, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, et cetera. And I think what's telling over the last two years is you've seen some of those platforms come out uh, in the case of um, Facebook and, and Amazon and some of the others open sourcing their kind of media mix modeling capabilities, which tells you that kind of the change is, is happening. Um, what that means is that it's going to require more coordination and collaboration. Um, you still have to advertise 
on those platforms. You just have to understand more generally and be more targeted, more focused. It may mean that you never see anyone click on an ad. That may be okay if you know that you targeted a specific type of person or specific audience and revenue went up. You see, I'd say a lot of the direct to consumer companies have had to adopt this approach. Um, some of the, the newer measurement methodologies and just by the, by the nature of you know, who they're going after and what they do, I think it's just becoming more, it's going to become more the norm, which ironically is almost what, how marketing was measured, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and I think digital is just kind of coming back to what's old is new again. Well, it's interesting stuff, Chris. I appreciate you being on the show today. Where can people find out more about Clarifying? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, our website's a, a great resource, a lot of our case studies and, you know, kind of what we have going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, probably the, the best place to, to go check it out. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. This was fascinating stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to AW360. For more podcasts like this one, be sure to check out Advertising Week's ever-growing roster of podcasts for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, including our flagship podcast, Great Minds. You can find those at www.advertisingweek.com slash podcasts.